0: Scripture reading this morning comes from Mark chapter 4, verses 35 through 41, and Matthew chapter 14, 22 through 33. On that day, when the evening had come, he said to them, Let us go across to the other side. And leave the crowd, they took him with them in the boat, just as he was, and other boats were with him. And a great windstorm arose, and the waves were breaking into the boat, so that the boat was already filling. But immediately Jesus spoke to them, saying, "'Take heart, it is I, do not be afraid.' And Peter answered him, "'Lord, if it is you, command me to come to you on the water.' He said, "'Come.' So Peter got out of the boat and walked on the water and came to Jesus. But when he saw the wind, he was afraid, and beginning to sink, he cried out, "'Lord, save me.' Jesus immediately reached out his hand and took hold of him, saying to him, "'O you of little faith, why did you doubt?' And when they got into the boat, the wind ceased, and those in the boat worshipped him, saying, Truly, you are the Son of God. This is the word of the Lord.
1: Good morning, North Cross. It's a beautiful thing to say the children may not be dismissed, and to see so many kids, I mean, that was, that was amazing. So, excited to see that. Uh, as Hudson mentioned, I'm Kevin Burrell. I'm one of the pastors at Stonebridge church, we're uh, a sister church of yours, uh, 17 minutes exactly. I found out this morning, south of you. And uh, we, we get to do a lot of things together that you probably don't see because we both are p- members of the same presbytery, and so um, one thing that I always appreciated about Sid was how tall he was, and we actually had to lower this podium for me this morning. So did you know that this podium goes up and down? So Sid had it set like here, right? So it was pretty good. Uh, we're grateful for the, the partnership of serving in the same. Presbytery and um, and also you know the like-mindedness of uh, we kind of serve the same place on the map right The kind of that north charlotte and lakes area and uh, we uh, i'm grateful that we get to do that together and uh, the fact that we exist on the same place on the globe and are trying to accomplish the, the mission that Christ uh, put us here for is exciting. We're just grateful that you're here. Uh, there have been multiple people who have moved to this area and they've said, Kevin, can you recommend a church? And I have specifically said, I've only got one church to recommend to you and you, you won't need to go any further. It's North Cross. And I actually recognize a couple of you here who took me up on that. So that's great. Um, but having said that, uh, the truth is that, um, that uh, you don't know me, <laughs> right? And, and I don't know you. And so uh, I recognize also that this is week one of a transition moment in the life of your church of unknown duration and of unknown resolution, right? Uh, And because I don't know you and you don't know me, I'm not going to presume that I know what you're feeling right now. Uh, I can only say that, uh, that twice in my life I've been in the situation that you're in right now. Uh, to be at a place where the senior pastor has left and the church together is, is gathering as a community to try and figure out what's, what's next. And so I'm sure that there's a range of emotions that you guys are, are feeling this morning. I would, repre- I would imagine that there's some sadness, uh, that there might be some nostalgia in, in the mix, that there would be some, uh, some maybe some disappointment or some grieving or a cautious concern for, for what's next, that maybe there would be nervousness or maybe even fear. Uh, that for some of you who, for whom changes is, is something that you eat for lunch you just love it uh, maybe you see a sense of opportunity and and possibility and, and hope in all of this as well and so I would bet for all of you I'm sure for all of you there is a deep desire uh, for you to see the church thrive and and to grow and to stay on mission Uh, to to continue to exist for the purposes that God has called you here for, right? So that's something I'm sure that every heart in here has in common. So that's the challenge of the moment that's before you as the North Cross family right now. And so looking at Jesus's care for people in the storm and for his challenge to people in the storm seemed, I thought, like a good place maybe where we could camp out this morning because I realized that being with you here this morning, at least as I, was, as I was preparing to come here, I thought there's a good chance that this is uh, being, being uh, the week after the celebration of a pastor who's leaving. Uh, I might be stepping into a church family for whom the forecast is at least partly cloudy. Chance of storms, I'm not sure. Whatever I said there that actually fits where you are today, I hope. I imagine there's some complex mix of emotions in your own heart right now. And if nothing I said uh, speaks to where you are right now as it relates to the North Cross moment, um if you're uh, maybe you're visiting today you're just weathering this in a different way maybe you're watching online and you have no idea what I'm talking about right now um that's fine because what we're looking at this morning is actually much broader than that it applies to any storm that you would be dealing with in in your life that uh you know if only there were other storms in our lives these days I mean the last couple of years have been kind of a cakewalk I know so you probably haven't had to worry about something been relatively easy right so except for the pandemic and Politics and pandemic politics and a war in Ukraine and and, uh, an economy that's destroying your family budget and gas at $5 a gallon. And and those are just the things that we're holding collectively right now. Just a few of those things, right? Um, There's also that that sense of um, uh, your convictions as a Christian being increasingly marginalized, where you're being seen as at best eccentric and at worst hateful. And then I'm betting that there are many of you here who are engaging in your own personal storm, uh, personal struggle, Uh, you're dealing with chronic disease or depression or a wayward kid or a rough patch in your marriage or unchecked anxiety or just any of those things that can come our way, right? And so the challenges uh, in our life are many and they always will be and some of the roughest struggles that we see in scripture come uh, to the people who seem to be on the surface God's favorites, right? You know, all the, all the best in scripture, we see that they all go through ridiculous storms. It's the lessons of the storms and not the absence of the storms that show God's care and that show his character. I'll say that again. It's you, you, will show, you will see God's care and his character showcased not in the absence of storms, but in the lessons of them. And so with that in mind, let's pray that God's care and his character would be on display right now. Let's pray. Lord, this is your word that's been read to us. May it find its mark in the specifics of our situations. Lord, um, we know that your Holy Spirit is active in this moment, and so will you please tailor make your care and your encouragement and your your admonition and your conviction to all the challenges of our lives, both individually uh, and as the North Cross family. Uh, Lord, for that to happen, these cannot be my words, but your words, and not my thoughts, but your thoughts. So we pray that in Christ's name. Amen. Um, So we're going to look at this passage. How do you get from Jesus, don't you care that we are drowning, to truly this is the Son of God? Like, how do you get from A to B? How do you get from when sorrows like sea billows roll to it is well with my soul. How do you make that that move from one place to the other? We just read two, I'm guessing if you spent much time in the scriptures, these are familiar stories to you, both of them that we just read. Two stories that probably happened within a year of each other um, to the same group of guys on the same body of water in largely the same circumstances, probably maybe even within the same boat. But there's a lot of differences too and I think it's great to hold these two stories alongside each other and that's what we're going to do. We're going to walk parallel between them because it gives us a a wider bandwidth to be able to apply these things to our own lives. So this morning uh, we're going to look at, and I think this is in your bulletin, we're going to look at, uh, I know this is so unpresbyterian, I'm sorry guys, there's like five points, but I promise they're short points, right? So we're going to look at uh, different storms, different proximities, different commands, different discoveries, but then one question for us this morning. And so with that in mind, first let's look at the storms. The first one is described this way in Mark, um, verse 37. Soon a fierce storm came up, highways were breaking into the boat, and it began to fill with water. Um, we have to remember these are seasoned fishermen, right? They make their living on this lake. This is their home turf. And some of these guys uh, have made living in these boats uh, on this lake. Uh, it would take a lot to rattle seasoned fishermen and you've got guys here who are scared they're convinced that they are going to die they're convinced that they're going to drown this storm is big and it's scary and they feel helpless in it that's one story now the other story we know that this is about a year or so later and some things have a lot of things have happened in that time Uh, a lot's happened but, but now here they are these same guys on the same body of water maybe even in the same boat and it says Matthew says later that night the boat was already a considerable distance from land, buffeted by the waves because the wind was against it. We can actually do the math here. We, we know that it's shortly before dawn that they see Jesus again. And uh, they're still rowing, which means that they've been at this for eight, maybe nine hours. Do you guys know the Sea of Galilee is only like nine miles across? And they're about halfway across. We read in the book of John they've made it three, maybe four miles at this point. Guys, add that up. That's uh, they're going four miles in uh, you know in in nine hours. They're going like a, what a half a mile an hour. This is like I-95 at Christmas traffic. If you've ever tried to get to Florida through that Hardyville, South Carolina, this is what, it's just that fr- it's not death. It's not scary and and um, and full of the fear of death. It's just frustrating. They're stuck. Same boat, same sea. Two different. Situations. One is terrifying and the other one's just frustrating. Can you relate to either one of those? Which one? The answer is yes, right? Both. <laughs> you can nod your head to both. Some weird combination, maybe, of the two of them together. The first one's this storm where you feel like you're going to die. The second one is this hard storm where you just feel like you're pushing and you're pushing and you're not going anywhere. Something big and scary, or something arduous and frustrating, um, or some ugly combination of the two. But here's, here's the crucial point I want you to get out of this that these two stories have in common. Story number one starts with Jesus saying, let's cross to the other side of the lake. Have you thought about that? Like, Jesus knew the AccuWeather forecast, being the Son of God and all, right? He knew that this storm is coming, and it's going to make seasoned sailors despair of their lives, and he says, hey, they're calling for tornadoes today. Let's go fishing, right? Let's just, he knew that, and he put them out into it. Story number two, same thing. It says, in fact, it says it more forcefully. In- immediately, Jesus made the disciples get into the boat and go on ahead of him to the other side. It says that he made them, it, the, the, the Greek word there is a forceful word. He forced them into the boat. He, he hastened them into the boat, right? Um, and seven hours of rowing later, I gotta imagine that at least one of the disciples had to have been saying, "What? <laughs> how, did, how did we get here? And the answer is Jesus Put you there, like he he pushed you off and he waved from the dock. He's the one that put you in this situation. Remember that the uh, you, you know the verse in the Bible that says God can never God will never give you more than you can handle. You guys remember that verse? So, you know where it is. You anybody know the chapter and verse on that one? That's good because it's not there. It doesn't exist. We quote it a lot, but it doesn't. Ex- I think it's probably gotten confused with First Corinthians, uh, First Corinthians ten thirteen that says that. God will not tempt you beyond what you can bear. He'll always provide a way out. But that doesn't say that God won't give you more than you can handle. In fact, he kind of always gives you more than you can handle. That's the deal. How will you learn faith if he only gives you what you can handle on your own? And what would you even need him for? So two different storms, uh, the kind that works you into a panic and the kind that just kind of saps you down and wears your strength out, and Jesus initiated both of them. We see him as the initiator of both storms. And these guys are there because Jesus put them there. The second, we see not just two different storms, but two different proximities. And by that, I just mean this. Where is Jesus in proximity to the disciples in the two storms, okay? The first one we read in Mark 4, Jesus was in the stern, sleeping on a cushion. Nice, right? The second one, it says that after he had dismissed them, he went up on a mountainside by himself, to pray. Do you guys like that Footprints in the Sand poster? Just If you want an image of that, of this is Jesus, like he's just walking beside me, he's carrying me, he's with me the whole way. Neither of these stories is very encouraging for that because in one of them, Jesus is asleep in the boat and in the other one, he's not even in the boat. He's like four miles away up on a mountain by himself. I had a seminary professor who told us that, uh, he told us a story about when he was a kid, his driver's education experience, which is scary to me because my oldest is going through driver's ed right now, but, but this particular professor had this unique ability, at least I can't do it, maybe some of you can, you can try it out now, he could um, close his right eye uh, and relax his right eye w- while keeping his left eye entirely fully, not squinted, just wide open, so, and he thought that would be a funny trick to play on his, uh, his driver's ed instructor, so at one point while he's at the wheel and he's driving, uh, he, uh, he closes his right eye, keeping his left eye open, of course, and then just kind of slumps a little bit like that. Um, panicking the driver's ed. Guess who didn't pass driver's ed uh, on that particular go-around, right? From the, imagine the, van, the vantage point from the passenger seat. It sometimes looks like God's asleep at the wheel if you're sitting from that, end, from that end, if you're looking at it from that angle. And we can feel the apparent silence of Jesus in those places. We can assume that we're on our own, but if, you're, uh, if we could see from the driver from the other side, we'd see God's got this. God's fully, he fully has his eye on this situation. He's confidently in control. He's he's wide awake on this. When you're in the storm, you can either say, well, it looks like we're on our own to get through this and start paddling. Or you can say, you know, Jesus is so hands-on in this situation that uh, his work in me includes the storm that I'm in. He's in charge of as I recognize, I know that that's hard to see sometimes, and it it's hard for us to understand that sometimes, but if Jesus isn't sovereign over your storm, you've got a much worse problem than that. You've got a, a God who sure would love to help you, but he just can't. That's terrifying. Trusting God's sovereignty in your storm means that in the midst of my mess, I'm here with God's full intention, with his full knowledge, with his full care, his full control, right? Right? The third thing we see, two different, not just two different storms, two different proximities, but two different commands. Um, This is so cool. To the storm, he says, peace be still. And then to Peter, he says, come on. He has full control in both of these stories to tell tell one to come and one to stop. He has the authority to say, I mean, we see, uh, he tells the storm quiet like you tell a dog to stay. Stop. And it's immediate obedience the, the words in greek get at this it's not just this and then the storm slowly blew northwest and just kind of left right it's it's something entirely different it's that there was an immediate the waves and the wind you, it, you know when the wind stops the waves are going to keep going for a while not here done flat sea clear skies at two words be still quiet be still Notice the difference in the other story, though. Um, Jesus doesn't ask them to exercise faith after he's already fixed everything, right? It would be nice if he had. Peace be still, flat sea, calm calm waters. But instead, what we read here is that when Peter was stepping out, he wasn't stepping out onto a cruise ship swimming pool. He was stepping into the storm. The storm was, remember, this isn't the, the scary death, uh, death-defying storm. This is the the. the the struggle, the, the difficult storm, just the slog. But it was the slog that had been kept, kept them stuck for about nine hours, and now he says, Peter, why don't you step out into this? It's dark, we know. The wind is, is powerful. The, the waves are high. I gotta imagine it's noisy, it's nasty. Just if you can imagine the chaos of that moment and not the calmness of it. And I gotta imagine, as Jesus says, come, that Peter might have said, I will, if you'll just do what you did about a year ago when you said peace be still and it all went flat, I'll step out into that. But he says, no, I want you to step out into the, just step out into the waves. Step out into the storm. Peter steps out into all of that noise and that chaos and that nastiness and he stands. And I know we, we are harsh to, to Peter sometimes. We say, you know, he well, the, here's where Peter failed because eventually he sees the ways and he panics and, you know, dumb Peter. Here's what, another one of his many mistakes. But guys, you know, he made it further than you did, right? That's, I mean, I don't know. Eight seconds is a win in rodeo, right? I don't know how long he was out on the water, but he was out there for enough that, it, I think of it this way. If you were... Um, you know, the Appalachian Trail goes about 2,100 miles from Georgia to Maine, and let's say that, um, that you decided to, let's say Roger just decided to hike seven, 800 miles of it, and uh, he was planning on doing the whole thing, but he quit, you know, somewhere around Virginia somewhere, right? Um, would we call him a, a quitter or a hiker? I would call him a hiker. He, went, he spent a month and a half in the woods. He went seven, 800 miles on it. That's a hiker. That's not a quitter, right? Peter did okay. When he saw the waves, he panicked, and there's a lesson in there for us, but you know, what is easier for you? Is it easier for you to see that Jesus was in your storm after the storm's all over? That's what happens in, the, in the, uh, the first story. Or is it easier to see him right in the middle of it? It's great to be able to say, you look back and you say, I can see now, hindsight, that Jesus was with me all along. Right? That's when they realize, wow, the winds and the waves obey him. Like, he was sleeping, but he wasn't sleeping. But, It's even better to say, you know, we saw him active in real time, like right in the middle of it, we saw that Jesus was at work. In the middle of the storm, you don't have to wait until the storm is over to know that Jesus is active in in it, right? Peter didn't wait, Peter stepped right into it when it was at full force. So yes, eventually he saw the storm more than he saw Jesus, but those Couple of steps that he took, however many they were, however many seconds it was, those are some of the most amazing steps in the history of mankind, right? The steps of faith. Two different commands. Jesus says to the storm, stop. He says to you, come. Two different storms, two different proximities, two different commands. Uh, There's also two different discoveries. At the end of each of the stories, we see that the disciples make a discovery about who Jesus is. In Mark 4, it says, they were terrified and they asked each other, who is this? Even the wind and the waves obey him. They're no longer scared of the storm. They're scared of him, right? They're terrified of him. And they probably should be. There's no room anymore for saying, well, he's a good teacher. He's a great rabbi. There's something more to him than that. He's just done the thing that only God does. Only God calms the storm. Every good Jew knew that. Uh, Psalm 107, he stilled the storm to a whisper. The waves of the sea were hushed. But at the end of the second storm, we move from who is this to he is, from a question to a statement. uh, Matthew 14 says, then those who were in the boat worshiped him, saying, truly you are the son of God. Because no one, not only can no one calm the storm, but God, no one can walk on the waves of the storm except God that's every good Jew knew that one too that was Job 9 says he alone stretches out the heavens and treads on the waves of the sea only God can tread the waves make order out of the chaos and here in this passage Jesus walks where God walks which tells them something about who Jesus is uh, the storms were never about the storms. This is important for thinking about whatever it is that you're going through right now. The storms were never about the storms. You get the impression here that Jesus, he could have silenced the storm from the mountain. He could have done that and they wouldn't have known that it was from him even. If life was about avoiding storms, there's plenty of ways he could have done that in these situations, right? Stay inside, delay the trip a day, travel by angels. There's lots of ways that he could, they could have avoided the storm. But is it clear enough by now that Jesus really isn't as concerned about the storm as he is about you in it? It was never about the storm. It was about Jesus revealing something about himself, about drawing faith out of his disciples, something about faith and doubt and trust and and his command over and sovereignty over wind and waves and hearts. He wants them to understand him better. It's the same in your storm. His, his, his concern is not necessarily for, uh, to, to just make it go away for you. We wish, don't we wish? I, I don't know what you're going through, but I got to imagine you wish that the Lord would just take it away, right? He could do that. He could do that with a word, but that's not the point. And if it was the point, he would have already done it. And so if the storm doesn't relent yet, then apparently his concern is something else. It's for you among other things, to keep your eyes fixed on him in the middle of it, to to take the next step in the middle of the storm. And so that brings us to the one question that both of these stories kind of move towards this, this one question at the end that's a question for these 12 guys. It's a question for us as well this morning. It's essentially the same question. In Mark, he says, why are you so afraid? Do you still have no faith? And in Matthew, he says, you have little faith. Why did you doubt? Um, there's a shorthand for those questions it's real simple it's four words will you trust me that's it and to help you answer that question he gives you some awesome assurance he says take courage it is i don't be afraid guys you know that the power isn't in those words they sound very confident right take courage it is i don't be afraid the power isn't in those words, it's in who says them. If, I, if our dishwasher is broken and I come running into the kitchen with some duct tape and a hammer and, and tell my wife, take courage, it is I, don't be afraid, I, I'm confident she'll be Googling repairmen quickly, right? Because it's not about the, the, the words, it's about who's saying them. The statement, it is I, doesn't give us any reason for courage by itself, it's the person saying it that gives it weight. And it's beautiful what Jesus says here. Because when he shows up in the storm and he says, it is I, he's using, he's using two Greek words that I'm betting some of you are familiar with. It's the words ego, emi, I am. When other people said that, it was just a subject and a verb. But when Jesus said it, he was being very intentional about it. He was referring back to, that's the Greek translation of the Hebrew name of God. Remember Moses said, uh, Moses, uh, said to God, what's your name? When, when people ask who sent me, and God said, you tell them I am sent you, Yahweh. So when Jesus says, I am the bread of life, I am the resurrection and the life, I am uh, the vine, uh, before Abraham was, I am, he's using those words, right? And th- we see that, uh, you know, it was the I am of the Old Testament who parted, uh, parted a, a, a river, parted a much bigger sea, who, uh, who showed time and time again to Israel that every molecule of the universe vibrates at his command, and that's the I am that is speaking into your situation right now. So you take courage in that. He's on your side. You don't fear. Take courage. It is I. Ego a me. I am. Don't be afraid. But even more than that, take courage in this. And uh, this, this concept, I think, leads us to the table. Consider this for a moment. The reason that we know that his priority is to reveal himself and not just to stop the storm is because when Jesus was faced, with his own storm, and he could have stopped it. He didn't. When the soldiers came to arrest Jesus in the garden, uh, and the disciples tried to rally around him with swords, uh, he said in Matthew 26, do you think that I cannot call on my father, and he will at once put at my disposal more than 12 legions of angels? But how then would the scriptures be fulfilled that say that it must happen this way? So he could have done it again. He could, in other words, he's saying this. I, I, could have just, I could just say, quiet, be still. The same thing that I said to the waves and the storm, I could say to all of you right now. In fact, for just a brief moment, he kind of reminds them that he could. The guards come before him, and they say they're looking for Jesus of Nazareth, and, and Jesus says, I am. He says, I am he. He uses those same two words, and we see that everybody in this moment inexplicably falls to their feet, it's like Jesus, for just a moment, he just flexed. Before they let him take him, he just flexes for a moment just to remind them he's fully in control of this moment. He could have said, I mean, if, if I am would knock them to the ground, imagine just how quickly he could have dispatched them all together or called the legions of angels or all that. He had the same authority in that moment that he had in the moment in the boat with the wind and the waves and all the rest. He had the same authority. But he lets the storm rage and he steps into it As they're on their faces, faces in the dirt, he says again now, who was it that you were asking for? And then he lets them take him. He steps into the storm, he steps towards the cross. Why would he do that? Stepping into his storm was freeing you from your biggest storm. All have sinned. The wages of sin is death, you know this, right? The the Jeremiah 30 talks about the storm that the Lord will, will burst upon the head's of the guilty. That's us. We're the guilty ones. And Jesus was willing to take that storm for us. The cross was the fury of of that storm and and because he's taken care of your biggest storm already, that's the biggest storm you'll ever face. Because he's taken care of that, can you trust him for the smaller ones in your life? Can you trust that he's gonna take care of the other ones too? Different storms, uh, different proximities, different commands, different discoveries, the same question. Um, let me summarize what I'm trying to say in shorthand. Uh, is this a note-taking kind of church? Do you guys do that sometime? I know you're, you're pretty digital at this point, right? But, but if you think about the, the outline there, and uh, if you want to do, if you like to take notes, you can just write this next to those five points because here it is in narrative form. I think I picture if Jesus were saying this to you and not me, it would sound like this. Here's the, the same five points. I put you here. I'm right here with you. I'm in control of this. I want you to know me better through this. And so, can you take a couple more steps in the storm by faith with your eyes on me? For whatever your storm is, guys, to remember those things, right? For big ones, small ones. Corporate ones as a church, small individual chronic ones that you're dealing with individually. Jesus saying, I put you here. I'm right here with you. I'm in control of this. I want you to know me better through this. So can you walk a couple more steps in the storm with your eyes on me? I'll end with this. Um, the author, Robert Louis Stevenson, he was, actually, he was on a ship in a storm on a rocky coast. It was a, a pretty nasty one. And so they'd put all the, cr- all the passengers were down in the hold and uh, one of the passengers wanted to um, get a report from the captain just to find out how things were going because it was a pretty bad storm. And so he gets up on deck and he works his way towards the, the wheel in the, in the uh, stern of the ship. He's not able to get all the way to the captain at the wheel because the, the boat is rocking back and forth so much and there's the, the, the deck is slippery. It's a, a difficult, but he's able to get far enough where he can see the captain and the captain can see him. And the captain looks at him with this calm, effortless, smile and winks at him. The guy goes back to the hold and the the rest of the passengers say, what's the report? And the report he says, this passenger says, I have seen the face of a pilot and he smiled at me. All is well. You look and you see the, the calm with which the one in charge is handling your storm and that gives you the confidence to know it's gonna be okay because he's got this. He smiles at me, and so all is well. He's the Lord of creation. He's the Lord of your storm, and he's got this. He smiles. Your, his smile rests upon you, and all is well. Let's pray together. Well, Father, for whatever each of us is dealing with in this moment, uh, for whatever each of us is dealing with in the, uh, uh, as a church and uh, as us individually, for our families, for the burdens that we carry, for the things that you hear us pray at night, for the things that keep us up. Uh, would you remind us, Lord, of your, uh, your face towards us? Uh, would you remind us that, uh, uh, that you are near to us in the storm and that you're calling us to fix our eyes on you? Uh, Lord, keep our eyes on you. It is so easy for us to look at the waves. Uh, we pray, Lord, that instead you would uh, allow us to walk joyously by faith, Um, for however long you ask us to walk through it. And we pray that in Christ's name.